Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. Glad to be here with you uh, on this Monday of Super Bowl week. It's officially here. No more week off. I hope everybody survived their first weekend without football uh, this past weekend. But, you know, um, it's uh, it's here. Super Bowl week. Again, for the Chiefs. Chiefs fans, could would you believe it if we told you this would be the, uh, what are we at now? Fourth time in five years that they've been here. I mean, come on now. Like, could just Just imagine back even seven years ago. I told you they'd be in the Super Bowl four times in five years. Remarkable. See if they can get it done this week against the 49ers. We will have uh, content about the Super Bowl all week long. Uh, we'll get some reports there from Vegas as well. Uh, looking forward to it. It'll be early out in Vegas. Those are uh, That's a big ask for folks uh, two hours behind to be chiming in on uh, on the Super Bowl there from, from Vegas. Maybe toward the end of the show. Uh, big college basketball weekend, big college basketball night tonight uh, that we'll get into certainly throughout the show here. We'll have Shreya Slada join us, KU Insider. Uh, be be good timing for him to talk about KU's best performance of the year going into the first round of the Sunflower Showdown. So looking forward to that. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, we will give away some HTO here today as well, as we always do. And we'll have lots coming for you. Lots of programming coming up on the network tonight as well as that basketball game. Looking forward to it. It's the late Monday, big Monday window, so you'll have to stay up late for it tonight. Tommy, how are you this morning? I'm good. Busy weekend. The Pro Bowl yesterday. Did you watch any of it? No. Neither did I. Didn't watch a single minute of it. I love the new format. I mean, it's I have nothing against it. I like the format better now to do more skills. I remember as a kid... With the Pro Bowl, I've never and I and I love Major League Baseball's All Star Game, and that's about it. So, like in the NBA, I would rather see the three point contest and the dunk contest than the actual All Star Game. Back in the day, in the NFL, you would get these skills challenges when they had it in Hawaii every year. I thought those were cooler than the actual game. I think the Home Run Derby is as cool 
as the all-star game in Major League Baseball. So I, I like the new format. Look, it's a smart thing to do. You've got the Mannings as the coaches. That's fun. Someday you'll have the Kelseys as the coaches. That's fun. Like, all of that is good. Getting former NFL guys to coach. I, I like it. I just know I didn't watch it. Um, didn't catch any of the Grammys last night either. Actually, I didn't caught, watch any of it. I caught the tail end of Miley's performance as I turned it on to record the rest. And then I'll save it uh, for for my wife. We like to fast forward and get to, through the performances. I It was funny timing for me because I, I flipped it on. I caught the tail end of a Miley performance, and I and I like I'm in on Miley Cyrus. I think she's way cool. Um, and then it got right into the Country Music Award, and like I for the first time in forever, I knew who they were. I was like Zach Bryan and Tyler Childers are up for Country Music Art. Like this yeah. is awesome. Now neither that? of them won, and and the and the woman that won it is cool. And Amy I think Wilson. the women, she's awesome. Yeah, she's the incredible. women in country in general right now are way cool. Uh, but these other guys that I do listen to, they're now making it into the mainstream. So I have all this great hope for Nashville. I, I was I was happy to see them in. I don't know if either of them won yeah. any other awards later on. I have no idea. But well, and and speaking of country, um, I mean that performance, Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman. Fast ah, I missed car, that one. That and was incredible. Gonna... I, think, I mean, Dang Fast it. Car is a masterpiece. It always has been. It's such a. Gr- I mean, just an incredible song. And she doesn't really perform a whole lot. She performed with Luke Combs. That was great. Billy Joel closed out the show. They, there were some really cool performances last night. Yeah, I, 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 I will miss that one because that's what reminded me to record it is somebody had sent me something to say, oh, my God, that was great. And I was like, crap, I forgot to record the Grammys. That's the one award show I actually do like. Not not for the awards. I don't care about that, but for the actual performances. Uh, but whatever. Uh, so I'll I'll go back and and watch all of that. But yeah, it was a it was a laid back weekend, and you know we we like tried to tidy up the house and and uh, you know that that kind of stuff. You know we did that. I played Super Mario with my kids for a while. Like it was it was nice. It was a nice way to just like chill. We had you know we we had basketball. Our the uh, the teal Jaguars uh, bounced back with a nice win this weekend. Uh, we had a four year old doubleheader, which I got to tell you, double headers don't need to happen for the four-year-olds. You could poll 100 parents and say, would you like to play a double header or would you like to just cut out after the first one? And 100 parents would say, yeah, no, that's a that's a terrible idea. Uh, but we did. We, we survived it. You bribe them with snacks and you make your way. Uh, but, you know, it we make our way through. And now it's the week we've all been waiting for. It's the week to see if the Chiefs can finish this thing off. And we'll get into the Super Bowl as we make our way out. I do want to. I want to start with the Shockers, Tommy. Uh, so the Shockers go to Memphis on Saturday, and again, do a lot of what we talked about last week. Give us both the ceiling and the floor all at one time. Uh, you've got a four. It's a fourteen-point lead with about seven minutes to go. I think I am, though, Tommy, as frustrating as all of this is. Like, I try to be. I'm trying to be realistic, and so. And I didn't get to see the collapse because it was right when we went into uh, the Teal Jaguars big showdown on Saturday out at the YMCA. But, you know, I watched most of it right up until that point, honestly. And I, it always matters to win the games. It does. But the reality is it's not going to mean anything for Wichita State when we talk about where they end up this year. Like that, they're not all of a sudden going to be an at-large team. 
So I look at it, and the fact that they're in that position, I think, does encourage me in general because the only thing that's, like, left out there for us outside of just watching basketball, which, of course, we do, but, like, for postseason, like, is they're going to have to win their conference tournament. And, man, they have been with – there's not a team in this league that they can't hang with. We know that now, right? Like, we've seen that now. They've literally done it – they've done it twice against Memphis. Now, the second half of the home game got away from them. But two times they've shown they can go blow for blow with Memphis. So I do think it's becoming, I guess, more optimistic just because the expectations are more clearly coming into focus for me that, you know, the the ceiling is good enough. The floor is still infuriating at times, but it is what it is. And hopefully when we get to March, they can make some sort of magical run. I I don't know. I, I almost had this shift of like, Whatever. It doesn't really matter if they win these games anyway, and I know it does to them. I'm not talking about, like, reality. I'm talking about perception of trying to find something for this season. The reality is the Magic's going to come in the tournament no matter what we see. So I th- I do think the fact that they're they're in these games is slightly encouraging for that point. It is, though, very frustrating to see them let another one slip away. But, again, what does that even mean? Like, for for their prospects at the end of the year, probably nothing. Yeah, I, I feel like for Memphis in, that, in the second half of the game, they were just clutch. And Wichita State did a really good yep. job early on in the game, mucking it up a little bit, you know, making it uh, not a very pretty game. And they go into halftime with a six-point lead. And then, you know, Memphis is able to find ways to get some players open to make the shots that really matter. David Jones shot the ball lights out in the game. He had 26 points. 16 of them came after halftime. He had the game-winning shot. And you kind of knew that Memphis was going to go to him to close out the game and to get back in it. And they did. And and he was able to make those shots. Uh, Javon Quinterly kind of did the same thing. 23 points, 11 assists for him. He only missed one shot in the entire game. So Wichita State, I think, did a really good job, uh, you know, punching Memphis and absorbing the body blows throughout the first half and the first part of the second half. And then it's kind of, you know, the, the same song, different verse. Memphis comes back. They finish on a 25-9 to nine run to end the game. They didn't lead until the end of the game, basically. And David Jones hits the winning shot with two seconds to go. And that's basically the end of the road for Wichita State. You know, so it, it's disappointing. It's frustrating, uh, you know, to have not only this game but several other games that you feel like they're in hand and they are, they're the shockers to lose. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. It's happened multiple times. Well, look, the, um, the reality is you imagine that game on a neutral court. And do you think the same thing happens? No, probably not. Wichita state is beginning to shoot the three a little, little bit better, you know, and most of that, almost all of it came from Colby Rogers. So it's maybe that's not even fair, but the thing that stood out to me, Tommy, is they didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Right? Only that's five, been five such turnovers an ex- the entire game. To 10 assists. And that's not a ton of assists, but at least it's doubling up your turnovers. So, I mean, that's been such an Achilles heel, heel for this team is turnovers. They didn't do that in this game. They played good defense. Remember the first game, and then remember that they allowed just 65 points at Memphis's place. Those are encouraging signs, even in a loss. Like, there have been some losses where you scratch your head, shake your head, and be like, but 
that wasn't one of them. Even with the blown lead, I don't think, for a lot of the reasons you just pointed out, Memphis did a lot of great things late as as I went back and looked at it, you know, not in real time. But, you know, you, you were out-rebounded. That's probably going to happen against Memphis. But you didn't turn the ball over. You You did a nice job forcing some turnovers. You didn't, you know, get desperate at three. And I think those are all things that can lead to shocker wins. And so for me, like my refocus, I'm still, it's still going to be down the stretch here. Like they need to win the games they're supposed to win. Like that needs to happen. But it's also time to, I think, refocus and just imagine this team in a tournament setting. And how much if they make a tournament run, let's say they win two or three tournament games, even if they don't win at all. It's going to leave a much, much better taste in everyone's mouth because most of these players can come back, right? Like, they they can. So them getting better down the stretch still matters. But, you know, as you get games against UTSA, East Carolina again, Tulsa, Temple, UAB, Rice, Tulane, there are wins on the schedule and they need to get them very badly. But that also goes with just seeing them play well in games like that. I don't know what to make of. I mean, we ran the graphic on TV last week about how many late game situations yeah. they have not closed out. It is a lot, and this well, is and another the other one. thing. I think and this the is the biggest one too. By the way, it's just Memphis. for sure. The other thing that's important to point out is that the Shockers only shot thirty five percent from the field, and they led the majority of the game. You know, they, they didn't shoot lights out. And they were able to lead the majority of the game, uh, just about pull out a victory against a, a really good Memphis team. I know they've skidded over the last few weeks or so and kind of been in free fall, but um, you know, still the talent that Memphis has is is outstanding. Um, and so, if Wichita State is able to get away with a not great shooting day, I mean, really the only individual player that shot the ball well was Colby Rogers, seven of thirteen from the field. Other than that, it wasn't extremely pretty uh, overall shooting from the field for Wichita State. If they can get away with that and still lead games and then be in games that they can win, even by shooting that percentage, it tells you that they're not turning the ball over. It tells you that you know they're playing good defense. They're limiting what the opponent can do. Those are all things that we want to see keep up. And I've mentioned it before, and, and this is just it, it's the fact of the matter. They've played really well in stretches, but they have a really hard time putting together a full 40 minutes of play. And, you know, I, I mentioned before that Memphis was clutch, and that's true and all of that. But at the end of the day, I wonder how much of this is just a culture thing, you know, where Wichita State, it's taking some time. And I'm not saying that the culture is bad. I'm just saying that this culture under Paul Mills is new. You know, and these players don't exactly know how to close out games in the way that they should. It's not an excuse. They absolutely need to learn yeah. that. But I wonder how much of that will come along the longer that this program is together. Well, what's funny, because there's, there's teams that are all new with new coaches that are closing out games just fine. I, I think the culture part that matters in what's interesting about that game, for a long time, we have seen Wichita State thrive and not be pretty offensively, right? A long time we have seen that. That's almost what we saw there. And it will be interesting as we've, you know, 
everybody has begged for faster paced offense, more offense, all of these things that, that, you know, a, a segment of fans have been begging for, for a really long time, you know, in Isaac Brown and, you know, in a lot of years under Greg Marshall. But the reality is this like uglying a game up play angry has always been what's made Wichita state successful. That's always what has made them great. That's almost what gave them by far their biggest win of the year on Saturday. That was not their pretty offensive game. That was one of their better games defensively. And so Will they buy into that a little bit and under like for whatever reason and because it's always been different players. That's what's odd about that is it's always been different players. But that identity through most years, I can think of one where that wasn't the identity. And that was the Austin Reeves, Landry Shamit, Connor Frankamp team that was getting up to around 80 points a game that, by the way, got bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But like that's what to me has to stand through no matter what, right? Like, that always has to be the identity, no matter who the coach is. And so it'll be curious to see if they feed on that a little bit now as they come into some of these games where, man, if you will just do that, if you'll take care of the ball and just make it miserable for the opposing offense, you're going to be in a position to do really great things. They've got opportunities down the way here. If... If scheduling was the excuse that you wanted to point to, then only a home game against Florida Atlantic looms as a game I would tell you that the Shockers shouldn't be able to win. That's it. And, we, and we've and we got three, six, nine games left. Like the, the reality is eight and one seems like something that – and now I'm not saying they're going to go eight and one. Don't, don't misunderstand – but the Florida Atlantic Strive game at home for that. is the for that. only Absolutely. game you look at here and say, yeah, that one's probably too much. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I mean, the rest of it is, it's gettable, right? It is gettable for them. Yeah, and to your point, I can stomach uh, a game against Memphis at Memphis where you lead the majority of the game and then lose on a last-second shot. I can stomach that. I don't like it. Obviously, you want to see them close out a game like that. But I can stomach it. I can't stomach losing at home to East Carolina. I can't stomach having a big lead against Tulsa and letting that slip away and losing that game. I'm not going to be able to stomach some of these other games down the stretch that are winnable games for Wichita State that they should be able to get the victory in. Those are games that, to your point, you, you have to win. You have to look good in them and you have to close them out. And so I think that for and it's not even about making this season salvageable. It's not about that at this point, but it's season about instilling isn't salvageable. It's about instilling optimism and confidence yep. in the program yep. and the fan base moving forward. You know, those expectations that you were even before the season started, they're probably gone. They're, they're I mean they're at this point you would have to go you'd have to go 9 and 0 in your remaining 9 games to finish with a winning record in conference. And, you know, that that's not going to happen. Right. So those expectations are basically out the window. So at this point, you're looking forward. You're looking to the future. You're looking to having good building blocks and a good foundation to be able to build on in the future. And so that's why, you know, I think that these winnable games that I mean, you pointed out their schedule, they absolutely are. And you've got to take advantage of it.
You do, because if you if if you have pointed to the schedule as an excuse, and I think it's a bad excuse because they've lost plenty of games they should have won. But if it is you, this is your reset, like everything about right now is your reset. I don't think there are any I mean, I, I look, there are probably frustrated shocker fans that they didn't pull it off against Memphis. But they're probably if if you're being honest with yourself, not a lot that wouldn't be slightly encouraged by the performance against Memphis. Only one game of the next nine, Tommy. Well, sorry. So let's let's slide Florida Atlantic to the side here. So of the remaining eight, only one of them is against a team inside the top 100 of the net rankings. It's Charlotte, and Charlotte's 95, right? So basically, outside of Florida Atlantic, everything you have left is against non-tournament teams, right? Against teams that aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. And so when you look at it that way, that's where you can, I think, see the future. Like, 8-1 and one is gettable here. It really is. And so now we can reset. Like, we have this great reset opportunity. Have a great finish. I would say, let's call it 7-2. and two. Have a great finish. Get to the NCAA tournament. And have us, like, yeah, I could see them winning some tournament games. That'd be yeah. great. And you know what? Eight and one gets you the remainder of the way. 500 in the conference. Well, that would be remarkable. Right? That gets you right at 500. That yeah. gets you in the middle of the pack. And at that point, I think you can hang your hat on that and say, okay, year one of the Paul Mills era had some growing pains, had some struggles, lost games he should have won. But we've got something else that we can hang our hat on moving forward. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. I can't believe it, but after a loss in which you blew a 14-point lead late in the second half, I feel better about it today than I did last Monday. Very strange dynamic, uh, but it is what it is. We're optimists on this show. Fully will admit it. At least I am. I'm always... I don't want to be miserable. That's no fun. I want to at least have something to look forward to, and I do look forward to the rest of this Shocker season. Of course, you'll hear all the Shocker games uh, over on KEYN. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, hmm, where do we go? We've got Super Bowl talk. We've got KU and K-State talk. It's all coming for you. Sports Daily continues right after this. Back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. It is Sunflower Showdown Night, round one. Very different weekends for KU and K-State hoops. Um, look, if you're a K-State fan, tonight's your night, man. This is the way to bounce back as a win tonight. They're only four-and-a-half-point dogs to KU at home uh, uh, in Manhattan, which is interesting the way KU just played against Houston. KU picking a nice time to play its best game of the year. Um, against the Cougars, who, you know, 
I think und- worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Understandably and expectedly struggled. I mean, it was like a, to me, Tommy, bet the house situation on KU getting points at home for only the second time in the Bill Self era. That game screamed. KU, 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 uh, with Houston coming in there the first time, all, all of the things. I think we saw th- the best of KU there. We we still didn't see anything outside of the starting five, which is a little concerning. I, I But, you know, if you get that out of your starting five, you're fine. They, I just think they need just that's, – that's it. That's the remaining thing, like just a touch more from the bench. But, man – when those and, and and Brown was good when he was out there, but that was awesome for KU. That's what they needed. Furphy is a star uh, developing. If you hoped he, you know, he's. I'll, t- I'll let me put it this way, Tommy. I'll be surprised if he comes back next year because I think in a in, sort of like Grady Dick last year, NBA teams are going to like him enough to to try to maybe make him a lottery pick. But he has been the missing puzzle piece at least for the starting five, and they've looked good with him in there and and looked their best. I thought against Houston. Well, I would argue he's playing better than Grady Dick played at this time a year ago. And Grady Dick was mm-hmm. good. Grady Dick played great in non-conference. And if you go back and you look, he kind of got quiet during conference play, during Big 12 play a year ago. And I think, you know, you get into conference play and, and bigger opponents and that sort of thing. Um, that sort of thing happens. I'm not saying that Grady Dick didn't play well. But I, I, think, I think Furphy's playing better in Big 12 I think the circumstances play. were different. I think Furphy is being asked to do more and allowed to do more than Dick was. Dick Dick became such a needed shooter for them that it almost, like, pigeonholed him, I thought, as, as a – like, if – I don't know that he got the opportunity to cut it loose in the same way that Furphy has now because they have to have it from Furphy. They didn't have to have it from Grady Dick last year. They needed him to do exactly what he did. The expectations and they need so much more. You know, yeah. Grady Dick was this really highly touted uh, incoming freshman, potential NBA guy, and we know what happened with that, and he's in the NBA now, and it's great. Uh, but Johnny Furphy, not a lot of people had heard of him. Uh, he reclassified, no, I, I, I heard – he only had one Division One offer, and that was, I think, Sacramento State was the only other team that had given him an offer, and then KU found him, declassified to join them right away, and here he is bursting onto the scene. I absolutely is an NBA-type guy. Oh, he's an NBA-type guy. I, I, I wonder how long he'll stick around, for sure. And, you know, it's just... We'll see, but he has been their missing puzzle piece, and he has been the spark that they have needed. Clearly, now they've got to, you know, they've got to follow that up and take it on the road, which has not been 
an amazing place for them this year, certainly. Uh, they're two and three away from home this year. So let's see them follow it up tonight. You know what I mean? Like that. That's great that you beat Houston at home. You don't play tournament games at home, right? You got to be better than two and three on the road. And that's why you, you sent me a message, and we can get into this here. You sent me a message about Ken Palm and how Houston has stayed at the top and all of these things. KU hasn't been good enough on the road, and they haven't been good enough against bad teams, unfortunately. It's irrelevant. The net is also lagging in the exact same way. Like, still right now, you've got Houston. BYU is hanging in there in both the net and Ken Palm. Then you have KU uh, right behind them. They're 10 in the net. They're 12 in Ken Palm. They've got plenty of opportunities down the stretch here to climb back up. Remember for a long time, too, Kansas was at the top there, but they just kept falling flat a little bit, especially on the road, and it's it's hurt them by the computers, and they'll just, you know, they'll have an opportunity to make that up. But, you know, at the top of the Ken Palm right now are Houston, Purdue, and Connecticut. I, I mean, I think that's fair based on what we've seen. And KU will have a chance to climb back up. But they got to be better on the road. They have to be better on the road. I mean, they played great against top-tier opponents. And, you know, I know that we talked earlier in the season and in the non-conference that they weren't covering against teams that they, you know, should be covering against and all of that. I do think, and this is the way that it always happens, it's February 5th. The team right now is different than the team was on December 5th. And it's going to be different on March 5th. And it might even be different at the very beginning of April if uh, the the Jayhawks can make it that far. In a good way. In a good way, for sure. I mean, I think that with the emergence of Johnny Furphy, that has absolutely filled a spot in the starting five that they desperately needed another option. They needed more production out of that fifth spot. And I think Furphy's emergence in conference play has been incredibly important for what the Jayhawks are looking to do in the postseason. You made a point about the bench. I get it. You want El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake and Jamari McDowell and Parker Brown. You want those guys to produce more. At least one of them. You need somebody to do something. I get it. But they beat the number four ranked team in America with basically just the starting five. Now, I know it was at home. And you get into, you know, tournament play when you're playing back-to-back games and all of that, and it becomes a grind. I get that. You'd like to have, you know, better bench production so you can rest some of your starters a little bit more down the stretch. I'm not sure that's realistic for this team, but I do think they can get it done with basically their starting five and if they can get one other player to produce. Yeah, they need one. But but the problem, because they do have versatility in that starting five also, so... You know, most of the time you need like a guard and a forward. I don't think that's what they, they just need one of them because they can rotate everybody else around. Like Dewan Harris yeah. isn't going to catch himself in foul trouble, right? So you right. know your point guard's fine, but anybody else can catch themselves in foul trouble. So it's not that I don't have confidence in the starting five. Run your starting five if you can every game. That's fine, but it it only you know let alone injury, it only takes foul trouble right, to create an issue. And that's where it's like, okay, they have got to have somebody else to be able to just spell them. I'm not so sure. It's not going to be Brown, man. Like, he's he's hell, he's doing fine, Parker Brown, to, when he comes in there. I don't think he looks overmatched at all. I think he's risen his game to this level. And so we'll see who it is. It'd be really nice if it was two of them. I don't know that that's realistic. I think it has to be one of them. But the bigger challenge right now is finding your fifth starter. And it's clearly Furphy. And it does give them the best starting five in the country. I firmly believe that. 
Now, there are other teams with more depth, and we'll see what plays through. But I think if you and, – and that's what we expected to begin the year too, right? It was like, okay, we think KU is going to have the best starting five in the country. Now, at the time, you thought that was going to be Arterio Morris. That kind of blew up in their face a little bit, and, and so we've moved on. I think now they've found it, and I don't think there's anybody that would, would disagree with that. But you still have to be able to maintain that, and through that is just a, just a little bit of depth. We know historically that Bill Self is just fine running six guys, seven guys maybe. Like, he's done it forever. But you got to have somebody that you can count on to step in and at least just give you the minutes you need, right? Like, it doesn't have to be a, a high-impact offensive player. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Like, who's going to come in and defend at a high level? And who's going to come in and, and not be overmatched on the court? That's why I wonder if Brown isn't the guy that ends up being that. Because the other guys have more upside. He's got the highest floor to me of the of the group right now, the two freshmen plus Timberlake at this point. Yeah. Through this and, and that's pretty remarkable the to other, think about. The other guys have more upside, but they're also not oh, executing. For sure. Right. Yeah. They're not executing. Elmarco Jackson in nine minutes had two points and three turnovers. That's yeah, not gonna get it, it done in conference play. You can't, you know, you're gonna find yourself on the bench permanently when, when you're playing for Bill Self if you've got three turnovers in nine minutes and only two points. Um, you know, Nick Timberlake, it, it, we're a broken record. He's not making his shots. Um, if you look at the bench production during the game with Houston, the Jayhawks would have shot over 70% from the field if nobody from the bench had taken a shot. If you take away the bench production, the starting five would have shot the ball over 70% from the field. The bench, 25%. So there's a clear drop-off when you go away from any of those five starters for Kansas. And that's why you see the minutes, you know, 33 yep. minutes, 35, 36, 37 for the starters. They're playing the lion's share of the minutes. And and I get it. It's a top tier opponent. You know, Bill Self gets his rotations really, really tight. But I, I get what you're saying. From your point, you get into foul trouble. What are you going to do? Johnny Furphy had four fouls in the game. What happens if those four fouls come earlier and you've got to lean on somebody? So I understand the concerns, but if you can prevent that sort of thing from happening as much as possible, then absolutely that's, Bill Self is going to keep that's on gas that, on the that fire. You can't control when you get a tight whistle in a game like you can't yeah. control that and you can't control like let's say they play. I don't know. Purdue in a meaningful game late. You don't think you think you're going to be okay without a handful of fouls to fool around with trying to guard Edie. You know what I mean? Like you got to have yeah. that in your back pocket. No, like if they don't have foul trouble, you can have the starting five play every minute of every game. As far as I care, like I don't need to, I just need yeah. to know that if called upon, somebody can come in there. And that's honestly why I'm starting to come around to the idea of Brown being that guy because when he comes in, yeah, you're gonna, you're not gonna be as explosive. All these, but he's also probably not coming in and making a bunch of mistakes either, right? Like if you need him to come in because you need him to come in and and just steady the waters while you have to get some minutes in. If somebody like he's the guy right now to me that I trust the most out of that group, and you know, ideally one of these freshmen step up and does it. It's not. I don't think it's gonna be Timberlake because I think Furphy just flat took his job and is better at everything. So I don't I don't think it's going to be Timberlake. It's probably going to be Brown or one of the two freshmen. And I think that's still I, – I think it already is. I think I trust Brown already, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So your emergency plan, he seems like he's going to be okay. Now let's see if one of these freshmen can actually come into a game and give you something, right? And that's 
we'll see. They they got to go on the on the road tonight. Like none of that's as important as just playing well on the road. And it's going to be hostile, hostile in Manhattan as you've got a desperate K State team. Let's take a quick break. We'll have more on the wild and on the Jayhawks coming up with Shreya Slot at the top. Let's come back and talk the Wildcats spiraling right now. What feels like out of control with their biggest opportunity of the season coming tonight in that Sunflower Showdown game. We'll touch on that as we return on Sports Data. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Uh, K-State reeling right now. The Cats in big trouble. Uh, they are falling farther and farther behind. Four games losing in a row. I don't know how much the Oklahoma State loss hurts their chances at the NCAA tournament. I know winning that game would not have helped their chances at the NCAA tournament, so I'm not sure. What I do know is the wins will matter more than the losses, and so you just throw that in the trash can and you come back tonight with a tremendous opportunity at home against KU. Look, I don't I don't know what's going on, Tommy, with K-State. I don't know if reality is just sort of setting in a little bit for them. Um, it was an interesting game on Saturday. You saw a different-looking starting five. Colbert, Dede Ames both in there. Uh, Tyler Perry actually shot the ball well from three. Cam Carter shot the ball well. So you had those two guards playing well together collectively. But you lose to Oklahoma State. I'm not. I don't know. I I don't know what to. I don't know what they can do to help fix any of this. I don't know if it's even fixable or if again it's just reality for this team. I'm not sure what to make it. Well, you have to remember that Oklahoma State is really desperate in the same way that Kansas State is. I mean, you know, Oklahoma State is trying to pull themselves and climb out of a hole right now that you know it hasn't been good for them this season and. Um, they played the Wildcats really close and really tight in Manhattan a few weeks ago, uh, and they go back down to Stillwater and they're able to pull out the win. I, you know, I feel like this is absolutely a Kansas State team that's coming back down to earth a little bit. They're they're trying to find their way. Uh, it's been a frustrating stretch of basketball to say the least for Kansas State. Jerome Tang, uh, ha- we've seen different emotions from him than I think we've seen ever in his time at Kansas State. Um, You know, there was a timeout where he just unleashed on his team on the sidelines. We haven't really seen that to that extent from Jerome Tang in his tenure at Kansas State up to this point. Um, You know, so there's been definitely frustration building, frustration mounting. This is a team that needs to you know, right the ship a little bit, and they've got that opportunity inside Bramlage tonight in the Sunflower Showdown. The one thing that we know about Kansas State, it doesn't matter who the coach is, it doesn't matter how good or bad their program is, when KU comes to town, right? Yeah, that, that team gets up for it. That's, just, yeah. that's the way that it's always been and the way it always will be. So this is good timing for this game because you can absolutely turn around the fortunes of your program with a good showing tonight. It's... it's uh... It's pretty interesting the opportunity awaiting both of these teams tonight. It's very different. Uh, there have certainly been years where the oppor- last year, good example, right, because of the the implications of the game. But it's it is a 
a massive opportunity for both of these teams tonight to do something they they really need to do, right? Like, we know K-State's not winning the Big 12 this year. They're probably not making the NCAA tournament. It would take a Herculean effort down the stretch here for that to happen. So what what's out there now? Well, if that's going to happen, K-State almost has to win this game. And for KU, they desperately need to get wins like the— I mean, you can't have this loss if you're KU, right? Again, this isn't a game that's going to help their tournament resume. But, you know, if KU wants to play in Omaha and have the path it wants to have, it needs to come into these points. It needs to win the Big 12. It's got, you know, which is now back within reach, certainly, as you've got five teams with three losses, seven teams with four or fewer losses, and 12 teams with five or fewer losses, Tommy. It's just absolutely absurd. Uh, what, what what's still out there in the Big 12. But, you know, there are 10 teams right now that could absolutely get into the NCAA tournament. You have 10 teams, Tommy, basically inside the top 40 of the net out of the Big 12. That's probably going to be a ticket in. I, I think we'll very likely see 10 Big 12 teams in the NCAA tournament this year. Can Kansas State do enough down the stretch to, you know, jump over a couple of them? I Honestly, I don't know. Uh, they'd almost have to win them all. It starts with tonight, right? That's where it starts. Don't you think K-State would have liked to have Naquan Tomlin's 10 and 6 and 2 blocks that he had against Wichita State? I mean, we have to remember the hand that has been dealt this team this year, I think, and be realistic in it. Without Naquan Tomlin, if we went back to the beginning of the year and said, hey, K-State's not going to have them. Are they going to be a tournament team? I think most of us would have said no, right? No, I don't think so. And so that's where they are. So you just refocus it. And this is one of the big ones to get up for. They're good enough to win big games. Absolutely. Down the stretch. We've Baylor. seen that this they year. They beat a right. top 10 Baylor that. team at home a couple of weeks ago with the exact yeah. same lineup and roster that they currently have. You know, so they can do it. They have done it. They yep. can do it again. Uh, and, and that's why, again, like I mentioned, doesn't matter you know you could have kansas at the top of the the rankings and k-state all the way down at the bottom you can throw that out the window when you play inside bramlage for the sunflower showdown that never matters and so again that's why i think that the timing of this for jerome tang is is really good because you're looking for a spark to turn things around for this team and and this is a good moment for that because again it doesn't matter the standings or anything like that all that matters is that you've got your hated rival coming into town. You know that Bramlage is going to be packed and amped and ready to go for this game. This is as good of a time as any to turn around the team. And I think that if they're able to get that done tonight against the Jayhawks, you'll look back on this particular game in March and say, this is the game that started to stem the tide for the Wildcats and get things turned around for them. On the most polar opposite end, it's also the game where things could spiral out of control. Right, If KU dominates tonight, that could be a tipping point in the wrong direction for K-State, too. That's what you have to be careful of. Real quick, Tommy, because we'll switch to the Super Bowl in the second hour after we talk to Shreya Slada in our next segment. K-State's getting four and a half at home. What side of that do you lean on? I have to lean on KU as, as much as they've disappointed on the road. At this point, with the trajectories pointed in the way that they are, I think i got to point to KU. And give up the four and a half, even in Manhattan tonight. 
I don't know. I mean, I think that if you're going to give the Wildcats points at home, I mean, it feels like a trap to me. It feels like a KU yep. trap. Sure does. I'm, I'm staying away from that. Sure does. Uh, all right. The diplomatic answer from Castor. We'll come back. Shreyas Lada joins us next to get his take on KU right now. And I wonder if he belie- I wonder if he feels the same way I do about Parker Brown. We'll ask him that and everything else about KU. Maybe a little football talk when we return on Sports Daily. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.